know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone, let's just be honest. Rob and I can't think of a good intro for this. No banging intro. We, we have, there's nothing going on. There's no songs. There's no memes we can put in here. We really want it to be special because our guest today is... He's special. He's very special. Today we are on site at his apartment, his loft, yes. actually. You have to classify his, properly. It's very nice loft, and it, uh, it kind of reminds me of my bedroom in university, except uh, a lot bigger. And, nicer. Uh, a lot nicer. Cooler. Cooler. Cleaner. <laughs> cleaner. More expensive. <laughs> very different. In fact, erase your... <laughs> so other than the, uh, the loft bed aspect... I think they're, they're, pretty, they're, they're pretty much identical. They're pretty much identical. Yeah, so uh, today we're joined by Joey Gollish. He is the owner and designer behind Mr. Saturday. Hey, Mr. Saturday, a clothing company based out of just Toronto. Just Mr. Saturday. It's just called Mr. Saturday. My Instagram handle is Hey Mr. Saturday. It's a point of contention. Okay. Me. Joey doesn't sure. like when people get this confused. confused. Yeah, Joey and I don't talk a lot. In fact, this is probably going to be the most talking we've ever done. Um, and also he's over there like fucking, who's the guy from Pinocchio, Geppetto? I don't remember He's names. just, he's drawing an outfit. At, in the time we did this intro, he drew a full, what looks like oh. spring, no, fall, winter. It is fall, winter. Fall, yeah. winter. Fall, 20, winter collection. 18. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So, so I, I know. Something I'm going to finish for this year. Uh, so not to spoil it for anyone, but it looks like there may be a coat and some sort of <laughs> checker pants. pants. It's, it's, yeah. It's uh, like a tartan pant. Tartan. With uh, the like really popular coat we did last year, the first officer jacket. It's uh, like a neoprene and fur jacket. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of making it, a, a, like updating it for fashion this year. Then with a wide leg tartan plaid pant. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into this guy's mind today. Cause yeah, so yeah, Joey is one of our buds from university. And we wanted to have him on the show to chat a little bit about his business currently with his clothing brand he's been doing some cool trips as well for uh, fashion weeks as of late so let's just hear from him yeah so you want to get, get into, into it? it let's get into it jam on Vern. jam on wayne let's, let's go There was music. We're gonna I edit wish you guys could have seen that. <clears throat> We're going to edit in music there. He hasn't actually heard the podcast. Kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but it's okay. Because I called his company the wrong name just moments ago. An eye for an eye. An eye for, is that how it works with you? No, I'm not trying to go blind <laughs> over here. <laughs> so you have this company, and you've been working on it for a little while. And part of what we do this show about is if you're a 20-year-old right now that's trying to figure it out, when we talk to people like this, we're hoping that you know if you see some sort of parallels, if you see some similarities, that you know maybe this is a jam you could consider. But I think a lot of things people don't understand about clothing companies is there's a very big difference from your buddy who puts graphic prints on T-shirts and goes out and slaps it on a few cool people that he knows, and somebody who sits with a pen and paper, designs clothing from the bottom up, and actually creates it. That is. That is artistry. That's that is something that is almost ancient, and I think it gets overlooked with with Joey here. How did you even get into this? I actually got into it how you just said, like uh, 
slapping slapping my <laughs> shit on thing. t-shirts but i feel like that's where like most people start mm-hmm. definitely like a lot of like everybody i look up to start started that way and now that like you can print shirts anywhere the barriers to entry into like quote unquote fashion or just really being able to sell stuff online are so low those barriers to entry are so low that like anyone can do it so i did start like that i started just making vintage t-shirts and putting my logo on them um i would like take a vintage shirt make it look more distressed uh it was like mostly like for women at the time that was who was buying a lot of it um and guys who were like thinking a little fashion forward because this was like two two or three years ago was that long ago that it was you, that it was started? a long time ago so just, i was well, still i was still making apps when i did that yeah i remember you were a bit of a serial entrepreneur kind of i've been a big i i'm would say i'm less of a serial entrepreneur because i don't have a huge track record to show and a huge dodger of uh gainful employment nice well you've you kind of avoiding that you kind of had all the uh pieces to the puzzle and like beforehand starting mr saturday right because you're a social guy you you're smart you have um extremely stylish as well, thank so, you. You're so kind. Um, I, it, like it must have been sort of an easy transition for you to get things going, right? Uh, sort of. Yeah. I mean, like, okay. So, like Travis said, like you know, there's certainly a difference between just like printing your logo on a shirt and making clothing, and that's something I've learned uh, a lot, a lot about actually like cutting and sewing mm-hmm. and making clothing that not only looks good but fits well and lasts for a long time. Um, that just what, what was the question like? What was the process? Oh, I just, like you yeah, said, I had I was a lot just of things asking in a place. Bit about the process about how you how you got it started and stuff. Because I remember as well that uh, when Mr. Saturday was starting out, you used to throw these. What, what do you call them? Like Saturday, Saturday circus. Festivals? Yes. Saturday circus. Circuses. Yeah. yeah. So the the like distressing stuff was a really big part of my business. So I would like you know take a piece of clothing and distress it in front of you, and we'd have like champagne and snacks and music, and we'd do it on Saturdays like once or twice a month. By the end of them, we did it like. Th- three times in one month, but I was like kind of burnt out by the end. And like, actually when we finished doing the Saturday circus is when I realized like, okay, I really want to do this for a living. So I was still, when I did those, um, like working with my friend at the time to build apps for, um, like commercial real estate. And I was making clothing on the side. And like, I just kind of eventually got to a point where we started to make money making apps, like which had taken forever. We had been doing it for like, we tried a ton of different, um, ideas, ideas. Yeah, like, like in in university, I, you had a bunch of things going. Yeah, like we we just also. pivoted like to whatever we saw value, and it took forever. And eventually, we started making money, and I thought that would make me feel fulfilled. And then it just didn't. Like I was like, wow, I thought this would be a lot better than it is, and it wasn't. So like I just kind of took some time to thought think about what I was doing. It was like pretty difficult. I had to tell like one of my best friends that I'd been working with for like three years, like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Now that we're actually finally getting somewhere. Um, but I did. I so told him that you were able to leave a revenue stream that was kind of not passive, but like an like. It certainly wasn't passive, and it wasn't like huge or anything. But like we had made like I don't know like like ten thousand dollars or something. But self employment—that's kind of what I meant. Like money that was coming in through self employment, through making your own hours, and you were able to even say because that's in itself very hard to do. Create a revenue stream by yourself, and you walked away from that into the unknown without any revenue from your clothing or was some revenue from like your some revenue i'd sold like i don't know like 50 pieces or something um and i knew i really liked it i didn't like leave making um apps with the idea like i'm gonna start a fashion company and this is what i'm gonna do i just left being like i need to leave and i'm gonna keep making clothing and that was like midway through when we were doing the saturday circuses cool. 
Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I need to like leave and I'm going to keep making clothes. And I was like throwing parties and making clothing and hanging out. And I really just took six months to like kind of fuck off and like pay my rent by like doing whatever I needed to and just kind of like feel things out. Uh, and then in that like time in that six months, one of my friends, um, Carl, who runs a very successful company called Cruel with Skyler and James and Mac cool and Dom. Talk to, eh? Yeah, they run an amazing marketing company. They Carl, were, part- we're coming for you. They had an office with Narcity at the time and Narcity moved out and there was some office space and they're like, hey, do you want like a studio? Uh, and I was like, you know what? Like, let's give it a try. So I started doing appointments for the vintage stuff out of there. Um, and yeah, that's when I just like, I started just kind of working on it more. Like things really naturally progressed. Like I... I was doing shirts, selling them on my website, and then I did a collab with Untitled & Co. Where Are they a brand or a store? Untitled & Co. is Both. a brand and a store. Um, a they're like, uh Yeah, it's like a... A strand. It's more just like a, <laughs> a store that, or a brand that has like a store. Cool, I got you. And uh, they've been around for a long time. Like Cam is a, a good friend of mine, and he's like, why don't we do something together? We had done like a hoodie or two in the past, and they sold like really quickly at his store. So we decided to do 100 t-shirts, which was crazy. I'd never like sat down and distressed and bleached a hundred shirts in a matter of like a week. So this is still while you're doing that process, you said way back how you started, which was taking a vintage shirt from a store, distressing it with bleach, cutting it up, and then printing it with your logo. Yeah, exactly. Well, a lot of the stuff that you had originally was all, I mean, not just uh, vintage t-shirts, but you had a lot of jackets and Yeah, just like whatever, whatever I wanted to like see on myself or on people, but whatever. So I did like this this collab with Untitled and Co. and it went really well and I was like, okay, like I can like actually move some units when I work with the right people. But uh, like after spending like a week with Bleach, I felt like really sick, like physically unwell. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I shouldn't do this. Like this is obviously stupid. Like this isn't scalable. So maybe I should think of a way I can like make this bigger. And so that's when I like started making uh, some of my own clothing. Like I was just doing some t-shirts and printing on them. And then I did a collab with this company called Hip and Bone who's in Montreal uh, and I took some of their stuff and like either altered it or we made some new pieces together. Um, and that was pretty cool. That was a huge learning experience for me about like what it means to collab with somebody you've never met really. And like uh, what goes into a collaboration where you need to carry a lot of the weight. Like as with Untitled & Co, like Untitled & Co provided me with shirts and said like go to town and we'll host an event at our store. Like it was kind of yeah. like a kind of turnkey. Easy, like set up for you already. So, so can yeah. you fill in some of the gaps though? So picture picture you're someone looking to make a clothing company like yours. These connections, did they come from your university or, or your promoting or your friend circles? Like and, and if you didn't have these connections, how would how do you think you would have gone about these first few stages in your company? Uh, there are definitely people I had met either at school or just like socially through partying or just through friends, but if your question is like, how would I suggest starting a clothing company? Or how, yeah, how would you have done it if say you didn't have those people? Do you think you would have reached the same places just longer or would you would have reached out to them? Like, what do you think you would have done? Um, I don't know about like if it would take longer or shorter because like time's super relative when you look at it. Like if I, my suggestion to somebody and the reason I say time is relative would be to build, if you're going to go with the direct to consumer model on online, my 100% my suggestion would be to build your social presence to a point where you think that you can convert people no problem. So you're not hoping you're going to make sales when you put something out. You know something somebody's going to buy it because you already have that following. And so the question of like would it take longer or shorter is kind of irrelevant because 
you're not launching the company until you feel comfortable. So technically from day one, you would have been doing better for me. Do you mean your personal social presence? Whatever you want. If you think that's your personal social presence or if you think you want to start like an alter ego or just like a brand. But I would definitely work on like building your social presence if your idea is to go direct to consumer. Because then that's how when you meet these people, you say, this is what I do. You have this presence and then they want to collaborate with you. You got the juice and you get going. Yeah. Or like it's tough to say like, you know, what you'd be doing. But if if you were like throwing parties or you know, you have an, like a, an Instagram account where like you're just showing like what you think lifestyle should look like mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who really fuck with that, then you're going to be able to convert those people to buyers because they're just going to want to continue their relationship with you. Even if it's just a t-shirt. Yeah. That's all people are buying. Like at the end of the day, people, as much as like design and stuff matters, there are definitely better designers than me out there. But people aren't so much buying your designs as they are just buying into you or the person who introduced them to your brand. What a good point, man. We talked about this for like three hours on Sunday night. It's a, it's a following. And I think that that was probably verified for you when you threw those circuses originally, right? Getting your friends out and people to get behind the company and uh, seeing that what you had was good uh like good clothing stuff that people were interested in yeah definitely and like you got to go beyond your circle of friends to see if there's any real validation there like you but like your your friends are also your like they're your best supporters sure but they're also i don't know like how, how have you managed your friend group as your support like how do you deal with i feel like friends are also a lot of times the people that chirp you the most and like yeah they keep, keep you in check they though. keep you in check so like it's they support you, but they also don't support you. And like, it's this weird balance of... It's, it's very mixed. And I know you've struggled with that a little bit with your company, you know, getting friends to purchase your, like support you, but also... Well, just because I don't like, have a hard time charging my friends. I, I, I've like, I have a hard time charging anyone, to be honest. I'm just, I'm a bad businessman traditionally, like in terms of making money. But like, if money wasn't involved, great businessman. Running shit unreal so maybe you should start like a charity mo <laughs> or just be a musician that's <laughs> take all but the money we were talking about it because we were talking about how fashion and music had a lot of parallels and how at least like when i'm asking you these questions i'm just as interested because i do have the jewelry company and you and i are very different you know what i mean i don't have that i have a personal brand but I, i'm not as i'm not as uh, focused on it i guess as you are and i thought recently about how how much having that personal brand would benefit Riss and Rye. And that's why recently I've, I've started focusing on it a bit more and how it would benefit music and how that, that kind of core really does, because your music is also like fashion. There's better musicians than us out there, but if, if we have a good enough sound and kind of like a really good vibe that that music is reflecting, it can be just as good as these other bands, the same way your clothing is competitive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like everybody always kind of kind of brings it back to what you said, like, if I focused on my personal brand or I grew that, then maybe it would have a positive impact on my other brands. But it's not that what you're saying is wrong. It's entirely right. But like, I personally feel like the way we look at things now is a bit convoluted. Like when it comes down to it, talent is amazing. And like what you're saying, like, you know, my music is comparable with other people's music, but so much of what we do is based on relationships because people are buying into you, right? They're either like, buying into you because they're your friend or because they really like what you do. And when you say like, maybe I should focus on growing my personal brand, it's like, well, think back to the people that you look up to. They didn't really have, especially a lot of the people I look up to, especially in fashion and also in music, like didn't come from a time when there was like personal brand, sub brand, my 
personal Insta account, my Finsta account. They just came from a time where it's like, this is me and this is what I'm doing. And so if you can really look at your life like that, like this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And if everything can contribute to that, then I think you'll be closer on the right path. And if you like try to break it down you. too much into like, this is my personal brand and, and this is the brand where I make money and this is this, it's like, it's going to get confusing and like you're almost like diluting yourself because you're thinking about it too much. It's embracing yeah. who you are and just rocking with it. No, you're right. I was even thinking a bit because what you just broke it up to is a bit of a superficial layer, which are really just reflections of what you do in the day to day. And if you more commit to like your life design and your true beliefs, it's going to reflect in all those. And you're saying that that's the real the focus there. Well, like, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like people look at people look at like social media first or not like social media, but like people look at like the structures we have in place, like social media, e-commerce, and then they relate that back to themselves. Whereas like these things were created to be an extension of ourselves, but the perspective on them is kind of flipped mm -hmm. to be that we're an extension of them. Like how am I an extension of my Instagram? Whereas like they're really made to be an extension of yourself. So if you can look at yourself and then see how that plays out or just focus on whatever you want to do, then it makes more sense. I think just like kind of the way that, that people, the, the reason it's people look at it kind of backwards is because the only way to talk about it is to go that way is kind of retrospectively yeah. or, or just from the outside talking about like an account or a person or a brand. Well, because everything so heavily revolves around that these days. Well, that's, that's also that's the point really of connection as well. So how do you not, it's like a profile is a point of connection. How do you not go through that filter first to see that person? Yeah, for sure. But it, everything's always been that way. We just mm -hmm. have more, con more ways to connect now. Like when you were trying to be a successful musician or designer in the past, not that I was like there, I was like, six years old when this was happening but wait you weren't a designer when you were six <laughs> but when when you were trying to do that it was still the same thing there were just less ways to connect now you're connecting to more people more quickly and you just have to focus you just you can't lose focus on yourself that's it so can we summarize because i don't want to get too off track of your pathway um you're basically saying that if you didn't say have those that already going on for yourself you would start focusing on your image first yeah, if I wasn't like wandering around aimlessly looking for ways that I could pay my rent, I would focus on building, fo I would focus on evolving my personal narrative to a point where I felt comfortable that I could convert that into my life or my business. Would you, would you suggest making clothing during that period as well, getting the website going you know what I mean? Or is I would suggest doing as much as possible to figure out what you like, what you don't like, what works and what doesn't before you quote unquote launch your business. Cool. Like if you, if somebody told me that they started a company today and then they didn't have the website built already, I would like, I would never, you know, just be intentionally rude to them, but it would just be like, I'd love to talk to you like six or 12 months from now once you realize that you should have had your website and everything done before you told me you started a business. And th that's not traditional advice. Like I've heard a lot of people say, just go, just make that website. You want, like, no, that's you know, what I'm saying. Go yeah. make that website, but like do more stuff before you tell people stuff. Cool. Okay. Like have something to show somebody. Right. Yes. All I, the time. I do not like idea promoters that come out and are like, yeah, I've got this crazy idea. It's going to be sick. You're right. And, and I th honestly, especially considering how easy it is to build a website and an Instagram profile, it's just, it's not so much like do the work. It's almost like a, like table stakes. Like if you haven't thought far enough ahead to take the, like literally few hours to one day to build a website and Instagram account, yeah, 
like how much have you really thought this out and how much work are you actually gonna are put you gonna do it? yeah exactly and these and are great points. especially because in fashion like along with that conversation of hey i just started this thing is also the question of like do you want to collab which is like the most awkward question out there and then the second question which gets me to my question i want to have for you question right <laughs> probably after that is yeah let me see some of your stuff that you've done right for people that ask you about collaborations now or or just any like future. anything i'm not like not not a ton of people ask me for collaborations but i just mean like when when you're talking to somebody and they're telling you about something you just want to see it that's it like you're just like show, show me what you're talking about you also mentioned uh some of the people that you look up to in the fashion world i'm curious who are those uh i feel like i'm just gonna sound like such a fuckboy, but like I definitely fangirl over Jerry Lorenzo, who's the founder of Fear of God. Um, he's like, and you told me you met him recently. I did. Well. Yeah, I, I met him in Paris. I actually had met him once before in Miami at the Soho House event. I just like said what up quickly, like a thousand people. Imagine like being at the Soho House in Miami, like who the, the crowd that that brings out. You is should very... listen to our appreciation episode. <laughs> it might it might help you next time you meet him. Um, but yeah, so I just said hi to him quickly there, and then in Paris I was walking. I went, uh, Matthew Williams of Alix had like a pop-up below his showroom, which was around the corner from uh, my showroom. And so I went, I walked up to it. And as I walked past this cafe on the corner, I see this like hair in this woman. I'm like, I recognize that hair and woman. And then like, <laughs> as I pass, I'm like, holy shit, like that's Jerry Lorenzo and his wife. And now I feel terrible because I, f I forget his wife's name, but like, She's she was a lovely lady. Is she a designer though, or is she? Uh, no, I, I don't know what she does like for oh. a living. But like they were just there together, yeah. and like she was. Don't feel bad. She was the one like I, her up on Instagram. I walked by, and like kind of froze. I was like, holy shit! And she said, hey. She was like, hey, because I obviously looked like a like a twelve year old. Like <laughs> you were just staring. You probably didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, like I was just like a little kid, like you know seeing like their idol or like seeing a pair of mm -hmm. boobs for the first time it was like you know? when i saw rob deerdeck and i froze up and my legs oh, were yeah. shaking we're walking down you got a photo with him at least so i never remembered my, my legs were shaking the whole time man i was just there like we're walking where was it like uh, ro uh rodeo drive rodeo, rodeo drive <laughs> rodeo yeah. drive maybe yeah rodeo, rodeo drive we're walking down and, and uh well, first of all, Shav still has dreadlocks in his hair. I got you dreadlocks or no <laughs> braids. People got really so, yeah, mad that, at Zac Efron yeah, about like, that. Um, cornrows. 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 So Trav okay. had cornrows in his. I go hair, on vacation once every down. two years. I'm getting cornrows whether I'm going to Boston or LA. It doesn't matter. I'm getting we're, cornrows. We're walking down Rodeo Drive and uh, Rob Deerdeck passes. And I'm like, yo, Trav, there's Rob Deerdeck. I didn't even know you were such a fan of this guy. I grew up. You want to talk about Fantasy people? Factory? I idolized Rob Deerdeck growing up. The yeah, fact, he's literally just a kid. The yeah. fact that you could have a factory and like just do whatever you want all day and like jump dirt bikes and cars and was, skateboard yeah. around. Like anyway. It was wicked. Not to get too on a tangent, but yes, anyways, I chased him but, down. But anyways, so I just, I mentioned it as we're in passing and Trav's face just immediately lights up. I chased him. He fucking beelines it for Rob Deerdeck. He's like, come. He's like, wave. He's like, hurry the fuck up. You had to take the picture. I was like, get the fuck up here, Rob. It's like, if we miss this. But yeah, yeah my so legs we, were shaking. Knees weak, arms are sweaty. There's vomit on my sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. But you, um, so same thing. I was, I was like potentially a, a tiny bit less nervous. Um, and I just said, Hey to him. And, uh, yeah, I just told him I had a showroom around the corner and you know, he told me he liked my pants. Like it was just like very casual. It was nice. Did you say you made them? Yeah, of course. You know, I tell everybody that I'm wearing what I made. It doesn't matter if like you 
Doesn't matter if I'm asked. Yeah, I'm telling you. By the way, I made these. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. I'm just. Where's the Starbucks? Yeah. Do you want to want to talk a little bit about how? Like what happened in Paris, or like what you were doing in Paris? Yeah, and like right, how, so you, how you ended your last up there? Question, but if you want to, you, no, yeah, the idols. Question. Anyway, so it was just oh, the idols, I, yeah. I really look up to to Jerry. He's like a very, he seems like a a well thought out guy, uh, and is very like, I like people who are calm about their business, which is cool. I really like Matthew Williams of Alix. Like, he, uh, I'm not familiar has, with him. Check it out. The brand's called Alix. A L Y X. Um, they just renamed it, and I can't remember. There's some letters and numbers in front of it now, but we actually sponsor this podcast, Rob. You should know that. <laughs> well, the sponsor. Uh, uh, this sorry, brought this to you by Alix's. Was actually sponsored by Mr. Saturday. Oh uh, yes, Joey. Thanks. Joey. Anyway, so I really, I really like uh, you know the kind of work that he does and like the boundaries he pushes, and then you know everybody probably will or in some sense should say like Virgil Abloh, like he has obviously done a lot. <laughs> it's like that's like sounds really. Really Are you vague. getting emotional over there? Yeah, no, it sounds really vague, but like <laughs> the guy's like, he's just done so much. It looks like he never sleeps. And like he went from, you know, working with, with people like Kanye West to starting Pyrex. And then, you know, six years after uh, Pyrex, starting Pyrex. Like the, uh, like the oven safe dishes? No, like Pyrex cook. 23 is like a brand. ASAP Rocky used to wear it a lot. The whole ASAP crew did. The idea behind Pyrex is just like, there's two ways to get out the hood. Pyrex, which is selling crack, or ball, 23. So everything said Pyrex 23. What about rap? Um, yeah, I guess that didn't factor. It did factor into that because they were selling it to the community yeah. that, that did that. Anyway, so obviously I look up to Virgil Abloh. Like, who doesn't? Beyond that, like... Uh, there's just, I, I look up to like anyone who's like doing interesting stuff. Like I, I met so many designers when we were in Paris, who do such amazing work and who are so creative and just putting themselves out there. And like, I look up to that too. Like, and the shitty thing is I don't remember their names and they probably don't remember mine. But like, that's kind of what's inspiring. Is like, there's so many people out there doing this that like, you're not alone. Which is at the same time incredibly frightening because the fashion market is so saturated now that to do well you either have to stick out like crazy or know everyone which is kind of what it comes down to you have to be incredibly talented and different or know anybody and that's like every industry i really. feel like you're fortunate actually being in toronto for for this because we are we're actually kind of an isolated it feels like there's tons of people here but comparatively totally i say that to people all the time like i'm really happy to be doing what i'm doing in toronto as opposed to like la or new york because mm -hmm. You know, I can't imagine how many people are starting like their own cut and sew labels in New York and in LA right now and going into stores and trying to convince owners to carry them. Like Toronto's like a bit of a, like a smaller pond and it's like, you know, classic, like it's easier to be a bigger fish in this smaller pond. And if you can get to, if you can rise up in Toronto, like you can make lateral movements to other cities because yes. they respect Toronto. Because we are on the world stage. Yeah, we're on the world stage now, but we're like also, like we're on the world stage but we're like we're not seen as we competitive we're, but the, yeah. the reality is so much amazing talent comes from Toronto so when you and your, you you went to Paris for the what men's fashion week for summer spring 19 so like, and I'm curious how you how you got involved with Paris enough like with your clothing label like how did you make the connections to get a pop up there and right so like going back to what we talked about before Beyond building your own platform, my biggest advice to anyone is always leverage what you're doing to do something else all the time. Like always be thinking of like, well, if I just did this, like what could I do 
because of this? Like, where could this take me? And I'm not saying like, think of how you can use people or use a situation, but the reality is you're working hard, you're making things happen, and you should always be making something else happen from what you've just done. So I went, like the series of events was just like, make, make shirts, untitled pop-up and collab, mm -hmm. collab with Hip and Bone, make some of my own clothing. Um, that was selling really well online. And then I started my own cut and sew label shortly after that, like in October of last year, I started um, making clothes. A, a bit before that, but like I, like I, I said, okay, I'm gonna sell the clothes that I'm cutting and sewing now. I went into TNT uh, and- The new trend, a Toronto store, if people don't know about it, it's not the supermarket. People don't actually know that if they're right. not in fashion. TNT is the new trend. It's kind of like the American rag sea of Toronto. They, like it's an amazing store. They have a bunch of locations. They're amazing people. Um, and they were carrying Hip and Bone at the time. So I told them I was doing a collab with Hip and Bone and that I'd like to show them my clothing. And, you know, I went from doing that collab with, the, with Hip and Bone to, to leveraging that relationship to get into a store. And then once I was in TNT, I was testing out, okay, like what, what works and what doesn't. Like my first thing was these velvet tracksuits and like they do sell really well, but they're obviously like really out there for a lot of people. So after the velvet tracksuits. There's only so many drug dealers out there, right? <laughs> there's only so many times you can wear velvet pants. And so yeah. I, felt like, I felt like I needed some other pants and stuff to wear. So I was like, okay, here's what else I want to deliver. Uh, and Aiden at the team in T at TNT are very like receptive to my ideas. So like, okay, if you want to put it in, let's put it in, let's see how it does. And I put out some new clothes and, and put those in there and they, that sold really well through the holiday season of last year. Then around then I was like, okay, I'm ready to start working with more people. I kind of know how this works. I'd shopped at Jonathan and Olivia forever. Like it's, that was my favorite store in Toronto. They just closed last week and, and moved to Whistler. Um, what? Yeah, their whole family, like um, Jackie, one of the, Jackie, the owner's uh, family lives in, just outside of Whistler in Squamish. And so they moved back to Whistler to be close to their family, I think, and... Um, is Jonathan and Olivia a brand, or they carry... It's a store. It's, it's a like, store. Okay. it was like, probably the OG, like, high fashion streetwear store in Toronto. Like, there's a lot of stores that did high fashion, a lot of stores that did streetwear, but, like, Jackie and Nick have always taken a really curated approach and understood that, like, there's not... They've always understood that there's not a huge line between high fashion and streetwear, and that you can wear pieces from Margiela with you know Levi's or and you can wear acne with Reebok and stuff like that so it's they were always like ahead of the curve and doing a really good job so you know I we had been talking for a long time and I'd always shop there um, and like I literally am always wearing my clothing hoping somebody will ask where did you get that and I can be like hey I made it mm -hmm. um, and that happened and I started talking to Nick more, uh, like Nick uh, is Jackie's husband, one of the other owners, he's always in the store and we like became friends and eventually he was like, hey, like, do you wanna do a trunk show? A trunk show is kind of like, a, a, it's a pop-up, but it's like, he's British, it's kind of like a more old-fashioned like way that. to say it. Yeah. So we did a trunk show to release my, um, my summer spring line for this year um, and that went really well. Like the weather was horrible that weekend, but we still sold a bunch of stuff and like got really good feedback. Um, and then they were closing. I didn't know this at the time, but they were closing in the summer. So they obviously weren't taking on any new brands, but like uh, moving forward, we're gonna be working together um, in their new store in Whistler. They're opening this amazing store in Whistler and also a concept store with that. So then from that pop-up with Nick, 
is how we get to Paris. Um, Nick lived in Paris. He started this company called Surface to Air, uh, which like, I don't know how many people are from Toronto, but like in Toronto, they were really big. They made those two finger metal rings and they were really big all over the world, but like, like a lot Vitali of- Like the ones? Like Vitaly, like ripped decades before Vitaly. Da- Vitaly didn't rip them off. Like it's just like Surface they, Air was the first made, company they, that- They were the first ones that made that. First, Surface Air was the first company I know of that did that. I'm not like- cool. I've never heard of this company. They, they're, they don't really like make stuff anymore, but so Nick lived in Paris when they were running that and then he moved to Canada uh, and, and he and Jackie opened the store. Jackie opened the store in Toronto and, and he is her partner on it. Cool. And um, so Nick was telling me like, listen, like the next step for you is kind of like, you know, going to Paris and doing the market and, and meeting buyers and, and really getting on the fashion calendar. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'll have to think about it. And then he like told me we were like out for a beer. He told me that and I was like, I had to think about it. And that was like the day before the pop-up. The pop-up went really well. And I was getting ready for my summer spring, like my like future summer spring releases for this summer. Um, and I was like, you know what? Like I should just be doing this. Like I have a hundred ideas. I can just, I'll make some, I'll take them to the market. So Nick connected me with some friends in, uh, of his in Paris who ran uh, this huge showroom called Tomorrow. They're like legendary. They, they have crazy brands like a cold wall and faced has them and ambush. Um, and those guys, um, a guy named Alfredo connected me to his team that ran uh, that runs a showroom for emerging brands, which is part of Tomorrow. It's just like, uh, just it was supposed to be close by Tomorrow. And I was like, you know, I, I want to come and show. And they're like, okay, it's a little last minute. This is like two months before this, the market. But uh, yeah, if you want to come, you know, it's going to be like 3,500 euros. Actually, it was like 4,500, but I haggled them down. I'm horrible at hagg- haggling. You actually I, go up after. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> you yeah. Your way up. I'm horrible at haggling, <laughs> but I knew how much money I had available, and I was like, I'm going to do this. So it was like 3,500 euros for the space. I went out there and just, you know, for like seven days, showed people my collection, met buyers, met agents, met distributors, and... Um, Congrats, by the way. That's huge, man. Thanks. Yeah. It was just, it was a good time. Like, I had I, a few people who I knew were out there, so like... You just spend a lot of the time like hanging out, you know, having espresso, smoking cigarettes, just like making friends. And I knew like wow, Paris is tight. This was your first time in Paris, like a this few weeks ago. First time showing in Paris. For, yeah. First time showing, yeah. Okay, because I was gonna say I I feel like you've been to Paris a bunch yeah. of times. No, that was only my second time going to Paris, but it like it was my first time working there, and it, yeah. it, it was like super cool. And it went over really well. It went like really well. Like before I went, I. Um, I was I was definitely stressed. Like my collection was for sure late. I missed some pieces that I wanted to take and I couldn't. And like I was spending more money than I had anticipated. Shout out Russell. I spent more money than I wanted to, but it was totally worth it. <laughs> Quick question. That's what's going on my tombstone. How many how many carry-ons did you take with you? To so fit I all the one clothing bag. in. The bag's behind you. It's that huge bag. And uh, my bag was like 80 pounds when I got there. And the woman was like. You're going to have to figure this out. Like, you can't take that. So I just, like, I had an empty carry-on with me that I filled with clothing and that, and she let me take it at 60 pounds. So that was great. And, like, also, like, a, like a, I was traveling with my girlfriend, Allegra, and she took some of the clothes in her bag, too. And, like, she helped me with, like, the whole thing. Like, I literally couldn't have done, like, Paris Fashion Week without her, but... Um, I was like stressed beforehand, like trying to finish the clothing, and I spent more money than I wanted to. And, like, this is actually, like, where the most important lesson came from because I was hanging out with Carl who's now like my close friend after we shared an office together for like a year um, and I was like man like you know I really got to make some sales here 
or I'm going to be in the hole. And he's like, listen, this is your first Paris Fashion Week. Like, it's not your only Paris Fashion Week. It's not your second Paris Fashion Week. It's the first. Like, you're going to do, who knows, like 10, 20 of these. Like, don't focus on the wrong stuff. Like, n- like revenue and sales, I know this sound, may sound counterintuitive, like, don't focus on the wrong stuff and be, like, too eager or, like, or too needy to make sales. Like, focus on actually driving value because what you're doing right now, you're not going out there to just cash in and make sales, like obviously that's part of it, but you're going to take the next step in growing a real business. So focus on that. Um, and that was like kind of like where I led up to today. So it was really just like And it made question. you feel like it was a positive, right? Because you met all these people and then all that stuff and you didn't worry about the revenue. The, yeah, of course. And, and, then stuff like, like and when you're not thinking about that and you're just being honest and open and like, and really just kind of laying it out there, like people are more receptive and, and we did end up uh, actually signing like a couple of deals, which is super cool. Awesome. Yeah, so you're gonna be in more stores. I think worldwide. You, you uh, said yeah, like, like over just, in Asia, just in Japan. In Japan, yeah. Um, but like, you know, if we had like pushed harder, maybe we could be in more stores. But they wouldn't necessarily be like the stores I want because like, what's important is like what stores you're in. You know, what brands you're next to, and and who's carrying you. And like our our uh, industry is super political, so. You know, I don't want to like na- try to navigate a market I don't know. Go into a store and find out that like I can't get into the store I actually want to get into because they don't fuck with the store that I was right. in before. Because yeah. Okay. Oh, that. they're picky. Like it's like radius clause for bands. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly that. Yeah. So yeah, that like I like my the, I know that was like we're just like three guys literally like meandering through a conversation. So, so if they think a store is below them or they don't, not associate even below them, or just like directly no, competitive yeah, or right. anything, uh, like okay. we'll give you our business, but you can't go into so and so store around the corner. Right. Yeah. You know um, what I'm saying? But like, you know, I, and I know we're just like three guys meandering through a conversation. But like, the question was like, how did I get to Paris? Yeah. Which was like a piece you, of advice and a story. So, the piece of advice is like always leverage what you're doing to get closer to where you want to be. Like you can't get to where you're going without where you are right now. So try and figure out whatever you're doing right now, how it'll get you closer to where you're going. And always keep that in mind. Like when you're, when you're working, like be focused on the present, but also like how the present contributes to like the highest version of yourself or the highest version of your brand that you want to be. And then I just laid out a timeline of like my whole business. Dude, I just (laughs) had a vision of you in the future being like very successful and teaching young like fashion startups all these lessons that was a you did a very good job answering that question with a story i was riveted that whole time <laughs> that <laughs> and i learned awesome. a lot and i was do simultaneously you, getting inspired do you have a mentor in the fashion world that helps i you out? wish i'm actually like looking uh, for mentors yeah no, no <laughs> hey guys i'm looking no it was like uh that was one of the biggest things i actually learned like for myself at paris fashion week is like if you're going to do a showroom or work with a distributor, like it's got to be somebody that you like really personally vibe with. Like not somebody who's just like pay me for space in my showroom and I'll try and help you get sales. Like somebody who like really understands your brand and and your vision and wants to like help you get further and like is going to take you out for drinks and introduce you to people because like they like you and, and you're the kind of person they would introduce to their friends. So like I don't have a mentor, like actually like, uh, Nick and Jackie from Jonathan Olivia have all actually been like incredibly, helpful and like and and mentory in like a really like casual non-mentory way but no no i don't have one benefits um what i what i wanted to ask you um is something that 
I struggle with a lot and I wanted to make sure we fit it in today is what do you do because um, you run a business and you're a creative, right? So you have all this very menial, tasky stuff you have to do a lot. And then you have to set it, like time aside to create and, and be a creator and content and stuff like that. I wanted to know wh- how you block your time, how you make sure you spend your weeks or your days, or like how do you tackle that issue, that balance? It's a great question. I, because I I'm struggle curious with it. about this. Everyone as well. for sure struggles with it. It's really hard. Like I could definitely be better at it. I even have it as a note of like things I need to do this week to be better at it. So like, first and foremost, I try to block my time out so that I'm doing like specific stuff on specific days. Like I'm not gonna try and like design and then do accounting. I would never like plan a day like that. That's a total like 180 shift in perspective. But when it comes to being a creative, like you kind of also have to understand that there's gonna be times where you were planning on doing your accounting, for example, and then an idea comes and you're like, no, like this is what I'm doing now. Cause that's more, a lot more, like in the end, that's more valuable. You can't like plan a time to sit down and be creative. So if it comes, like just do it. Um, I also am like a massive fan of Asana, which is like a project management tool. Mm -hmm. I started using it when I was coding and like, that's really how I block out all my time. Like anytime I think of something I have to do, I throw it into my Asana. And then at the end of the day, I'll like look and see like, okay, here are the tasks I have to do. Here's what I'm gonna do tomorrow. Organize them by priority and try to bang them out like in order of priority. But but you group I, them based on what kind of realm they're in? Sort of, yeah. I just I do like daily tasks, weekly tasks, and then what I call like bonus, which is like stuff I would like to do, but isn't necessarily like I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the reason I really like Asana, and like I tell everyone this, is like I don't have to think of what I need to do ever. Like if you spend all your time thinking like, okay, when am I going to do this and when am I going to do that? You're wasting your like your brain capacity on planning rather than on like doing. So that's like, that's a huge way of how I do it. I just throw everything in there and then I'm kind of like a slave to like myself. Like I don't, I don't often remember what I have to do and I see that I'm like, that's what I'm doing now. That's just kind of how it goes. So in your typical week, how do you think your time breakdown works? Like how much, how much do you, do you think you spend on these menial tasks, like emails well, nothing's and like sales? menial. But you know That's, what I mean? The ones I, that I really try, but I'm being serious. I really try not to look at it like that. Like I used to really hate that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you just get behind. If you, if you hate, if you call them menial tasks and you hate them, you're going to get behind on them. You're going to get behind on your accounting, on your inventory, on anything you really need to, you need to do because like outside of being a creative, like running a business is, Equally as, if, if not, not more it takes important. More, yeah, it takes more of the time. But, um, I didn't but you mean, can't, that, I didn't but mean I, the word. No, you but know that's, what I meant. that's yeah. what I'm saying is yeah. like my perspective on it is I don't look, I try not to look at it as menial. I try to look at it as like just part of the process. Essential. Like I'm just, yeah, just like it's no more or less essential like that. Like the priority of it or like how much I like it or don't like it doesn't really run through my head. It's like just this is what I'm doing. And like I just, invo- if you just involve yourself in the task completely, it's not so bad. Like I, I definitely don't try to go into my like administrative days being like, ugh, I've gotten admin day. Because if I did that, I'd like fuck off and go skateboarding or like go. But hang you do out. have an admin day. That was that was more. I was asking like you'll you'll if I need to have yeah. one. Yeah, it's all just like I try to plan out as little as possible because I know how much shit's gonna hit the fan. Like I was just telling you earlier, I keep getting these emails about these invoices from one of our retailers, mm-hmm. where it's like they've already paid me a check. And I've sent them an invoice and they're asking me, what did I pay you for? And I'm like, I have to show them 
the sales report so you that have they to go dig me. it up and yeah, yeah like yeah. i obviously wasn't planning on doing that today but like that's what i'm doing that, that's what i'm asking like like anytime i try to set time aside in these blocks like you said the real side of the like the like something hits me like an email like that or or a deadline and i always find myself like i don't know i just i, I can't I, block I really the li- day yeah i really like what you said about separating um, different sides of the business, though you know, creative days. But they always creep, is days. what I'm saying. They like you for sure. I, well, I mean, if I mean, I'm there's gonna be creative, overlap. If I'm being creative and I get an email or like there's like a phone call or something I have to do, like, and I'm like really in the zone, I'll just not do it because I'm trying to be, I'm trying to maintain that creativity, mm-hmm. but also just like. I try not to plan too much because like you said, if you plan too much, then your plans get broken. Like the more expectations you have, the more they're going to be broken. So it's really more just like, I have a roadmap of like dates and times that things need to be done mm-hmm. in order so that they can be like marketed and produced and everything on time. And But you can move those blocks around based on... As long as everything's done by then, like obviously sometimes it comes down to a scramble at the end, but like I try not to plan too much for every day. Yeah, some, every time it's every a scramble. Time. I try not to plan too much for every day. Like today... I had this planned and I have to go drop off a package for a friend. And other than that, I didn't have anything planned, but like this morning I woke up to like 10 emails and like, not like just 10 emails, but like 10 emails that needed that responding needed, yeah. to. Um, and I had to finish sewing like a sample for myself, like just things like come up. So I keep like, I guess my simple answer is like I keep tasks I have two two folders in Asana, mm-hmm. three really, today, weekly, long-term, and then I just figure out what I need to do for a week. I drag the tasks from the week into the day. Cool. I try not to drag more than two or three, and then I get through the day and see how much of it I can get done. And that's that's really cool, no, yeah. yeah. And I do like, I honestly, I do like your, your note to people about uh, really appreciating and not kind of de- like degrading the administrative tasks. I'm actually the opposite. I, I like the accounting and the operations stuff more. Uh, I, I was like thrust into the creative world well, a little well, bit. Well, sometimes as well I find too is that when you're doing the creative stuff, it, it can feel like you're not really doing as much, right? Holy, yes, great question. So, so, I mean, putting them all sort of on a level playing field that they're of equal value, I think is a great point as well because then it doesn't devalue anything yeah i mean like that's like a classic thing that like most entrepreneurs struggle with like there's a lot of your work that you do that doesn't result in like physical output so you're like what do i have to show for what i just wasted a day but like you you definitely get used to that and you learn to like differentiate and i like everybody still has trouble with this but i definitely do but like you learn to differentiate between like working and what like i actually read um rick owens calls masturbation like Um, excuse me yeah like masturbation like just fucking yourself like you learn to differentiate between like oh i'm actually doing creative work and no i'm fucking off like he like notoriously hates mood boards mood boards are something that like people do a ton before photo shoots and he's like fuck that like i know what i want i'm just gonna have it shot properly like a mood board is a form of of like creative masturbation like i might as well just do the actual work and that's like uh that for me was like an interesting perspective on it um and I think like just over time you learn to realize like, oh, I'm actually working or I'm not. Like if you can look back mm-hmm. and feel good about what you did, then it was probably work. But like if you like go through Pinterest for like five hours to not do something else, then it's not work. Do you read a lot? That's what I was going to ask too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
How much time do you set aside throughout your Or just for your like self-improvement. Yeah. Where do you get, what, like, are you are you passionate about that? Like, do you set time aside to look at other people's ways of doing things or stuff like that? Or? I don't, like, set a time aside for it. Like, I definitely just go through periods where, like, I want to learn about a new person and, and I do that. I went through, like, a long time ago, I went through a time where, like, I was literally doing nothing, just, like, partying and drinking. Like, this is before I took six months off to party and drink two years ago. This was, like, three years ago when I was just partying and drinking. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, and like I was just feeling really bad about myself and like I would like do work but then at like you know at lunch I would fucking watch like Archer or something like I'd eat lunch and watch like Netflix and watch like Archer or like Arrested Development and I was like this is bullshit so I like kind of just made a commitment to myself to spend my spare time like doing things I liked that were at least seemingly productive so at least I would feel better leaving that activity to go maybe do something else productive so like I don't like specifically set a time, set time aside for doing that, but like, it's kind of like eating healthy to me. Like I want to spend my spare time doing something that's like maybe sort of productive for myself or just makes me feel good. It's but, a like, great actually, comparison. But, like, I like actually that. actually feel good. Eating know? healthy. Yeah, dude, you sh- I don't know if I know, like you're, you're pretty good at um, taking, like communicating your advice and your thoughts. Like it, you're good at packaging them up into digestible bits there's been so many good tidbits <laughs> yeah. so far like um, I, I appreciate that i, I do don't you, know about that okay so. so we so we made a little list at the beginning of uh five you guys cold in here i set the ac to 17 i'm i'm pr- quite comfortable you had a yeah good temperature i was really hot i run there. hot so i'm actually in my element right now nice we had five things written down of trending news that we wanted to this ask is like you. how we're wrapping up Quick, quick like, opinions yeah, on the timeline out there. Um, how are we doing? Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of time. What time is it? It's, uh, we're at approaching fifty. We're approaching fifty minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I need to be done be in the ten wrap minutes. Up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this uh, this will be a wrap up here. Okay. So Thailand cave rescue. Do you know about it? I do. How do you think they got stuck in there? I read about it. They just they were like walking or biking through a cave after like a soccer game, and then the tide rose, and they went further and further in to avoid the water and toasted themselves for almost two weeks I just heard about this yeah. it's One, insane did they have light in there there was like no light maybe originally and then like a diver apparently like happened upon them while just diving in this cave and then divers brought them stuff like lights a food, random and stuff diver like found them. a random diver no yeah. well, it was a search team Oh right? really? I think I, man, that I, there's was, just so many versions of the story out there. That's but what I'm saying. I just heard about this. It's crazy. I, I really tried not to keep up with it too much because I figured like a month from now I could probably get like a solid recap and, and know what went on. Yeah, and about uh, a year or two from now you can watch it. Uh, yeah, like James no, no Franco. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> as the coach or something. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. U.S. Trump Trudeau relations. What's going on there? Why do they hate each other? I'm not crazy involved in in politics i can't lie did you I, vote I've, yeah of course i voted um but i imagine they don't get along because their values are incredibly different would you put <laughs> a piece of clothing on trump if you wanted one <laughs> if i was allowed to make a graphic tee that said whatever i wanted and he would wear it no matter what it said potentially what if no one of your stock items Stock at no, like I would never like I would never let like Trump stylists like do a poll. No, you know? there's no. What if he chance. wanted his whole squad? Actually, I was just saying like when it comes to like Trump, like I just saw uh, Allegra sent me a thing where Tom Ford refused to dress whatever his wife's name is. Oh, oh see, yeah, I saw that too. Actually, yeah, like there's we shouldn't be supporting stuff like that. 
I don't know. I I kind of like. Is it just because you're, it's marketing? Like, do no, you have to? Or, no. And same with musicians as well. He's to, uh, a bunch of musicians have told him to fuck off about using right like their who, music who said, in his campaign said, videos and who said who had that song? Fuck Donald Trump. Right, like that's kind of my idea. Like I'll like like the same way he'd perform "Fuck Donald Trump" at the White House. Like I will make a shirt for him yeah. if it can say whatever I want. But no, like I'm not like giving him any of my clothing. Better question: If you could put a piece of clothing on anyone, any world leader, and, no, <laughs> no, just any person in the world on anyone, mm-hmm. on anyone, who would it be? Uh, like I don't know. I'm not trying to make too much of like a like this coincides with my values type deal out of this because like there's a lot of people out there but if I could just see my clothing on anyone it would probably be ASAP Rocky like that's who I see my clothing on when I'm imagining when I'm imagining making it a lot of it's like kind of ASAP in mind because he's a mix of like elegance hip-hop hippie culture everything so I picture him a lot when I'm making it uh, so I would like to see it actually cool what are you like big rap guy or rock guy like what like what do you like I, don't, I like a lot of different stuff. He's like, all over the map. I'm definitely all over the map. Like I have this one playlist that I listen to sometimes when I'm working, which is all Japanese surf rock. You're weird. Dude. And then when I was cleaning my house before you got here, I was listening to Scorpion. So like, oh yeah, who's Kiki? Yeah, that's a good question. No, yo, also that's, I, that's how I know I'm starting to feel old when it's like the internet's like all this Kiki stuff, and I'm like, what the fuck is going? on? Do you on? actually think his son's middle name is Ma Bed? I don't know if that's true. And I don't know if, like, if it is true, I don't know if that lyric, like, I only love my bed and my mom, I'm It's sorry. gotta be. It's <laughs> it gotta would make, be. It would make some sense because, like, who loves their bed that much? But no matter what the truth was when he wrote it, like, there's just no way we're ever going to get a real answer here. I, I was saying if that actually is his son's middle name and he actually did make that lyric intentionally, he might be the smartest man in the whole world. At I, least very clever. I, I saw a meme the other day and they're like... Uh, Drake's Drake's new daughter is named uh, Chillin' with no makeup on. Or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, wow, he announced it to the world like years before. You never know, man. I also fucking love Drake. Speaking of Toronto, um, I, I really put it on the map. Uh, seriously, a lot of people did, but like, he's obviously like really responsible. Like, the whole EXO team did a great job making us a real city. And now too. Toronto's fashionable. Like, Toronto is a hip place to go. Like, we had people yeah. visiting friends from LA visiting Toronto. Yeah, they had a choice between Miami and L- uh, and Toronto. And I'm like, what time of Toronto? Year? I'm like, what are you doing here? I would probably come to Toronto over Miami in the summer. Like, it's got to be what, like a million degrees in Miami in the summer. Yeah, you know what? And that's when all like the real winter like, club, choice. That's when all the real like Miami, the real club fungus comes out in the summer. I feel like that's when like, the promoters <laughs> happen. <laughs> what else? Number three, plastic straw epidemic. Oh, what do you yeah. have to say about this? Fuck That's the turtles, it. right? No, not fuck the <laughs> no, turtles. It's obviously just like such a it like I'm like definitely like what some people would call a conspiracy theorist. Like I just never really take Bush I would, did 9/11. Let's not get into 9/11, but I would never I just I take what I read in the news with a grain of salt and like this seems like a massive diversion tactic. Like yes, we're making good strides. Plastic straws are bad for sure. They hurt turtles, but like you know, like net value on the environment. There's a lot of other bad plastic out there. Our phones and everything that like our electronics are made out of are terrible for the environment. We're still drinking out of plastic cups. And beyond that, like North America has a massive gun violence problem. So yes, I'm happy that we're eliminating plastic straws. Do I think it deserves as much attention as it's getting? Probably not. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. But also 
Rob and I get into consp- we've had to edit hours of conspiracy chats out of some of our podcasts <laughs> just because some will come up we'll get into it and I mean then, we've gotten better at it I, I stopped talking about it <laughs> but yes dude I get I, I don't even know if I believe them I just like them I, de- I like the really heavy ones obviously like they're just interesting to read about but it's more so just like it seems hard to believe that the things that seem important to people are genuinely important. Yeah, it's like, what would you rather have changed? Gun violence in America or turtles dying from plastic I just straws? would rather not have to pick. <laughs> it yeah. seems super reasonable but, but I'm also, for I'm, all these problems to be solved. I'm such an opposite guy when it comes to everything because like, I'm so weird. Because every every opinion I have is wildly unpopular. So I just end up not saying it, but you I fucking love guns. I love them. There's a difference between loving guns and standing with the problem of gun violence. Like, I, there's a difference between, like, what's a good example here? Like, I, so it's like, it's like I, I don't mind Canada's gun laws. Like, I would like really strict gun laws as long as there's a way for me to go through some sort of process to make sure I'm vetted to get yeah, the guns I don't I want. think anybody's, you know I mean? like, yeah. I don't think anybody's, like, arguing against that. Like, it's okay to like stuff that other people have a problem with. But, like, that's also, like, a huge they problem with media. They want to take away my right to roll up on a on a, a bunch well, of soft targets. No, I'm just well, kidding. Wow, well, that it's, was it's, crazy. It's, it's, <laughs> all, it's like a little all, different all here. It's like people draw a line between like liking guns and going to a shooting range and and support or people don't draw a line is what I meant between liking guns and supporting gun laws that exist right now. It's like no, there's obviously so many different perspectives and it's not black and white so it's totally okay that you like guns. Just yeah, yeah. be smart about it. It's like you like driving your car. Do you like fucking hitting people with your car? I've never done it, but I assume. <laughs> I was no. actually thinking about that exact same um, well, scenario, well, prob- scenario yeah, in my like, head. You know, like, like something that. Yes, compares. we have problems with people hitting people with cars. Like those are huge terrorist acts, and nobody's trying to take your fucking car away from you. The uh, the thing is, is when people. So if someone just says, "Oh, like I like guns," you don't get to start a conversation like this, though. Yeah, it's very so, polarizing. Like, goes, you have to be talking to somebody who's empathetic some, of yeah. different situations. But that, anyway, but that's why I just I don't I just don't say stuff. In fact, I it's almost better. Like you just kind of roll through, and, you, and people figure it out for me. I'll just to so just watch the the drama of life unfold is potentially the most intelligent way of like getting through life. But sometimes you got to say something. Sometimes, most of the time you don't though, because there's a lot of people talking. So you, your voice isn't going to make like a huge difference. But if you can take the opportunity to actually like educate a friend or to like make a change in some small respect. It's definitely worth it, but like most of the time, like yeah, just zip it shut. He's even got good advice on. Uh, He's a smart dude. Smart dude. What's the last one here? We got uh, Bieber's engagement. Yeah, Mazel Tov. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Mazel Tov. Wrap that up. What happened to Selena? I didn't even know that they weren't dating. I thought Haley Baldwin was dating Shawn Mendes. I don't know, man. Oh, we hung out with keep, a girl this weekend. I don't keep you hung up out with it. a girl, man. Yeah, pretty <laughs> tight. Props to that. Couple girls. Couple, well, there's a few girls. Um, one of them was talking to Sean Mendez while we were there, though. I thought that was pretty cool. Apparently, right after he split up with Haley, she was getting little things. Little, what's going on, baby girl? Hmm. I think uh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Muzzle tub to uh, to Bieber and Haley, and let's go get a coffee. I always liked her. All right. Well, thanks so much, Joey. 
Joey, thanks for having her, for having us over here. Yes, and for having us. On the show. Yeah. And for giving us your time. And if you yes. want to check out his company, we'll put the links there. I highly suggest it. Um, yeah, we'll put his company and his Instagram handle so you can check out yeah. Joey and his adventures. It's, it's really cool stuff. And uh, if you can't afford it, make more it's money. It's fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take some of the points that Joey mentioned about starting your own company and yeah. come back to me when you can afford full price. And then I'll give you a discount. <laughs> All right. And we'll see you next... Next Tuesday.